Welcome to another episode of The Solar Podcast. Today, Dave is talking to Matt Smith, co-founder and president of Project Solar. They talk about how his company just raised $23 million in funding, the future of the solar industry, and how Project Solar is changing the renewable energy sector. Let's get right into it on The Solar Podcast. So Project Solar is a business that started to make uh, some, some serious ripples, if not huge waves in the solar space. So we're thrilled to get Matt Smith, one of the founders, uh, on the podcast. So Matt, if you don't mind, I'd love to get an introduction for our audience about who you are. And maybe you can segue that into talking a little bit about your business. Maybe you don't separate the two. Maybe from your perspective, they're kind of one and the same. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us on. Um, so yeah, Matt Smith. Um, I was originally a high school English teacher, and that, that's what I went to college for. And then one summer, uh, jumped on with a tech company. And uh, the tech company was in its beginning stages. They were kind of thinking about you know financing and how are we going to get this thing up and running. And so I helped them with funding just from you know past people that I knew. And when one of the people uh, was my was my current business partner, Trevor Hillbrandt. And so um, I stayed on with that company for about two years, watched it grow to 140 employees, do a couple funding rounds. And I was kind of going, man, this doesn't seem like it's that difficult. I mean, these guys are doing it really well. And if I did, you know, half as well or a tenth as well, that would be, you know, great. And so Trevor started pitching me on this idea for, for us to jump into the solar industry. And basically uh, a year later after that, uh, Trevor sold uh, one of his e-commerce companies. It was kind of like his nest egg and kind of called me and said, hey, I'm really serious. Like I, I actually just sold uh, Transparent Labs was the name of his company and he was ready to dive into solar. And so I ended up leaving that tech company and uh, both of us not knowing anything about solar uh, were thinking through the lens of, okay, if door knockers are getting paid, you know, five or six thousand bucks every time that they are getting a system installed. And if we can do that cheaper, uh, you know, via e-commerce and, you know, Facebook and Google, whatever type of marketing and advertising, then we're going to have a more efficient business model. And so originally we thought, well, why don't we do DIY kits? Because that is a very e-commerce friendly way of doing things. You know, you don't need an install network and all these things. And we're like, well, let's see if DIY works. And so he had had a guy knock on his door for, you know, I think 45 grand or something, offer him a 10 kilowatt system. And Trevor was like, I, I don't know if this is a good deal or not. What, you know, <laughs> is this expensive or cheap? And so we ended up just jumping on his roof and doing that full 10 kilowatt install. Uh, and I think we installed it for like 10 or 12 grand or something like that, like just in the equipment costs. And so Trevor was losing his mind. He, you know, he's the e-commerce guru and he was going, dude, like we could blow this out of the water. Like if I, if I have like a thousand bucks to go acquire a customer, like that is a ton of money. We should be able to make this work. And so, um, yeah, we, we initially thought, well, why don't we create this, this DIY model because it's e-commerce friendly. And then when we launched in February of 2021, um, you know, at first it's like crickets and you're nervous and we've spent a couple thousand bucks or whatever. And, uh, we started looking at our pipeline and changing up our pipeline and trying different things. And really, you know, now it's funny because we've probably been through, you know, 300 iterations of different types of pipelines and, you know, landing pages and whatever it may be. And finally figured out how to, you know, create a, a funnel that, that works really well. And so, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think in our second or third month, we had about 200 customers who were checking out, you know, paying us money saying, hey, we want to go solar through you guys. And at that point, it was no longer DIY. We realized, hey, a lot of these people want, you know, full install. And so I was just cold calling installers all the time. We'd get checkouts in Texas or in Florida or in California, and then I'd just be reaching out. And now we have, you know, the, the kind of the phones have turned. And as we've, uh, as, as, as we started to advertise uh, in the solar market, now we have a list of, you know, hundreds of, of installers who have called us and said, hey, we want to install for you. And so now we're kind of pulling from that list. And that's kind of what Project Solar is today. People check out and we are either facilitating DIY that we still offer that option, but mainly we're doing full service install. Wow. So we have to talk about being a high school English teacher. So that's a pretty big, it's a pretty, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long way away from uh, doing solar. So how long did you teach high school English? Uh, For three years. Three years. And how long has it been since you were actually in the classroom? Yeah, 2018 is when I left. And so what are we, four years now? And uh, I'll probably get back to there. That that would be the goal. Uh, Retirement doesn't sound very fun to me. And so I think I'd love to be teaching when I'm 60. You know what I mean? That's just, it's so fun being, being uh, in the classroom. I was going to ask if you missed it. So what, what, what is it about the classroom that you miss? Um, I mean, as cliche as it is, it's, it's just the kids. It's, it's so fulfilling. So I actually, I don't, I, I'm, I'm terrible at English. Um, I was very strong in math, you know, really good grades. I don't think I read one full book in, in high school. Like I just, did not like to read, was a poor writer, and uh, decided while I was in college that, hey, if I'm going to like round off some edges here, I should probably like dive into that problem head first. And I, I really need to like learn how to read and how to analyze. And that is kind of how I see English. And that's why it's an exciting, uh, you know, passion for me is because I'm not like, hey, I want to go read books with kids. It's more I want to analyze and dig deep into problems and like help them learn how to think. Um, and not necessarily learn how to think as if I'm the one who knows, but just like engage with them in discussions and, and develop them as, as humans in that way. Yeah. So with the passion that you seemingly have for teaching generally, but then teaching English secondarily, uh, what precisely, I think you talked, touched on it a little bit. What, what precisely pulled you out of the classroom and decided, Hey, I need to spend some of these early years in tech. Yeah, it was just an opportunity. I mean, I, I, I wasn't married at the time and I had a couple cousins who had gotten married and they were in their professions and so they couldn't take these entrepreneurial moves that they wanted to. And I was going, I'm spending like 800 bucks a month right now. <laughs> like, you know, if you have 20 grand saved up, you're good for a couple of years. And so I, I was like, why don't I just like jump and then see if that works? And if not, I can just come back to teaching. And so I, I, I jumped and, you know, fortunately it worked, but uh, that was kind of the motivator. Yeah. So you had a measure of success for the last handful of years at the previous tech company. And apparently you fostered some good relationships and Trevor, you're now business partner. And so when you guys decided to launch your business, uh, you said you've gone through a lot of iterations. What are some of the things that didn't work that you kind of discovered over the last year uh, in, in route to, to getting where you are? So many things don't work. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't really even know where to begin with that because it's you can get super granular, right? It's like, you know, you're, you're trying different colors. You're trying different. I mean, our, our very first website that we built was just all wrong. I mean, the whole 
like we, we probably spent, I can't remember, maybe 10 grand trying to get this whole thing built and every single aspect of it. We, we basically, we, you know, we built this thing and we're staring at it. And we're going, this is crap. Dang it. Like we, this is not what we want. And so I, I don't know if I can like point to necessarily specific things, but um, that's been something interesting that I've learned, like as an entrepreneur, uh, learning from my business partner, he's just, he's a really good decision maker. He doesn't get emotional about things. And I, I remember that moment where he's going, We're, we got to scrap this and we have to completely go this other direction, which is what our website is now projectsolar.com, And, you know, kind of a more beautiful, but like straightforward, simple aesthetic uh, before it was more complex and, you know, whatever it may be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's just been so many things that we've tried, like different marketing channels and, you know, throwing money here and money here. And um, one thing that I learned a lot in the tech company that I was with was, again, how to how to raise money and um, just just basically sales and, and learning a lot about sales. And kind of I learned that I had a natural nag for sales. And so we raised money, which gave us the ability to uh, you know, try different things and not be like so stressed that we, we had our own money, you know, that, that, that we had put in. And so that has been a huge benefit as we've iterated, you know, time and time again. Yeah. So uh, you've alluded to it, but um, when you say raise money, I think it, it's worth talking a little bit more about that. So Project Solar recently raised a Series A, a pretty significant Series A, frankly, so $23 million. And um, so how did that come about? Did you always know that it was the plan to try to get some sort of a, um, a workable uh, MVP and then go out and find, um, you know, a financier to help you guys grow? Or did that happen more organically? Yeah, so Trev's a bootstrapper. Uh, like I said, I mean, he's done probably 10 companies and he's, he's only bootstrapped. And then I had my experience at this tech company that I watched explode through the roof and all they did was raise money. It was, you know, when I came, they were raising. And then as soon as the money was in the bank, it was, okay, what does our company have to look like in order to raise again? And they would be running toward that picture of the company. And then they would raise, you know, just step after step after step. And so what I told Trevor is, hey, if I'm coming on to this, like that's my strength and I, and I know how to do it. I just learned from some of the best probably in the world, to be honest. And uh, I think it would be foolish of us not to, to use that arm. And so right from the beginning, I mean, we, we took some money from friends and family and things like that. And then, uh, you know, that probably lasted eight months or something. And then we, we raised again, like a bridge round. And then we, you know, got to the, to the Series A from there. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, obviously to get a $23 million check means that you had a bunch of people that believed in you. Um, I'm sure you had to get to some no's to get to the yes as well. I mean, that's the way that all fundraising tends to go. But uh, what was the message you think that ultimately resonated? Uh, and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about your financing partner as well. What was the message that ultimately resonated with them such that they decided, hey, this is the type of business we want to be partners with from a financing perspective? Yeah, so it's interesting. The Left Lane Capital is the group that we took money from. We absolutely love them. They're uh, they're young, they're ambitious. Uh, we, we just felt like we were sitting in the room with our homies. They're just really good guys and uh, respectable. Um, I think the the notion that Project Solar uh, is going to be a household brand was really what resonated with them. And um, that's, that's, you know, the trajectory that we're on. And that's what we're planning to do is, 
you know, make, make Project Solar a household brand. And um, they had actually looked at investing in the company that I was previously at, and they had turned it down. And when they left, they said, you know, uh, we're, we haven't invested in anything in Utah Valley, but we will at some point. And so we just, we connected over that uh, because Trevor and I had actually also invested in that tech company. So we had a lot to connect over. And then, you know, as they started to talk to us and we talked to them, we're like, Hey, this is a fit. Like th this is, this is a great team that's going to be able to help us to grow. And, and, you know, they, they thought that, you know, we were a, a decent team that could help build out this vision of, of becoming a household brand and exactly what that looks like. Um, we had a couple of other offers that were on the table and frankly, there was one that was like quite a bit higher, but we wanted the right partner in the room um, instead of just like a little more money in the bank or, you know, more equity on the table. And so, yeah, we ended up uh, going with Lifeline. That's great. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you were able to find a good partner in that regard as well. So in terms of becoming a household name, you know, what's what's sort of your strategy or why do you do you and they believe that you're on pace to do that? Um, so I always give Trevor this analogy. Um, I, I always tell him if, if you have two cars that are going 60 on the freeway, which one do you bet on? And uh, the the answer to me is the car that got there faster. And so, you know, we're certainly small right now, you know, we're not uh, doing 10,000 installs a month or anything like that. Um, and, and that's who we like to compare ourselves to is the, the Teslas and the sun runs of the world um, in terms of like, okay, you know, that is a goal that we should be passing in the future. Right. And um, of, of course, you know, we, we have visions for growing our company as big as possible, but uh yeah, I mean, we, we've essentially um, grown to this point faster than any uh, solar company that, that, that we're aware of, uh, you know, from essentially zero to, you know, wh where we're at. And so with the velocity that we have, that's something that a lot of investors have been interested in. It's like, oh, whoa, like, you know, you, you might still be small, but how fast you got here and, and not only how fast, but like with the kind of the skimpy means that we have. Uh, that that's been impressive to people. Um, remind me of the second part of your question. You had, you had kind of asked two well, parts. I, no, I I think it's I think you're hitting the question. The question was ultimately like, what is it? Um, you know, why why is it that you guys think that you can ultimately become that household name? Is really kind of what I'm trying to get to. If that's the message that ultimately resonated with the financiers, uh, that you know, hey, we're putting money and we're backing this uh, this organization because we think they can become a household name. What what is it that uh, gives you and them the confidence that you guys are on the right path to do that? And I think, I think you've touched on it. You know, you've, you've been able to grow quickly and, and uh, of course that's very impressive. So solar, everyone that's jumping into solar right now sort of like um, gets to benefit from a lot of the tailwinds in solar. And it hasn't always been that way. There's been a lot of headwinds in solar as well. I've been doing this for 12 years so I've, uh, I've, I've experienced uh, the, the, the harshest of headwinds and, and the most comfortable tailwinds uh, in the journey. Um, and, you know, with, uh, you know, from a regulatory perspective, and I think just generally um, consumer acceptance perspective, uh, we're, we're certainly in a tailwinds phase right now with solar, which is exciting, um, which isn't to say that it'll always be that way either. But uh, I think those that are in solar generally agree that uh, three percent market penetration, which is probably where we're at across the country, is uh, really early days for solar. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And Dave, I think something I'd add to that, I mean, when I, so when I was deciding if I wanted to do English teaching or business, uh, when I was going to college, I actually got into the business school and I sat down in my first class. And this is one of the reasons that I ended up leaving the business school. The, the, the teacher started by saying, you know, I just, I just want you guys to know that if somebody's going to disrupt an industry, it won't be any of you guys. It's going to be someone who's not in the business school. And I was like, crap. I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> I just, from, from that moment for me, I knew I've just got to go. I've just got to go become an English teacher, learn how to think really well. And then honestly, that's, that is as simple as that is like Trevor and I just do not think like people in the industry and not saying that we're better or that that's anything. It's just different. And we've had so many people. So some of the companies who have invested in us, cause we've had different investors along the way have said, Hey, we have gone down, you know, and even invested in companies that are trying to do what you're doing and they haven't been able to do it. And we've kind of thought, why not? Like what, why are people not able to, but then we'll dive into these businesses and go, Oh, whoa, like, well, we definitely wouldn't build it that way. And we definitely wouldn't do that. And then we start to realize, oh, yeah, if you've been in the industry for, you know, however long, it, you just think a certain way. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Because obviously, Dave, you, you, you've been in the industry, and there are a lot of like good learnings and things that, that you offer. But there's just a different perspective that comes from people who haven't been in the industry. And I think that that's been exciting for uh, investors, for customers, uh, you know, whoever it is that's looking at Project Solar. So, uh, Matt, what, what do you think some of those kind of key differences are, if you could really highlight any of them uh, for Project Solar? Um, so, I mean, like th these aren't really secrets and uh, some of these things also may change, but at least with where we're currently at, obviously our price uh, is, is a lot different. And um, we could charge more, to be frank, but we don't want to. Uh, we, we, we want, we're, we're trying to give Americans like, you know, the best possible product in terms of ac the actual solar plus the customer experience for the lowest possible cost that we can provide. Um, you know, that's obviously one important thing. Um, I, I guess even like the way that we're thinking about, uh, financing, the way that we're thinking about supply chain, the way that we're thinking about scale, um, you know, we've been, like I referenced at the beginning, we've been building out an install network in, and doing it in a way that should allow for us to pour as much gas on the fire as we want. And then it should, you know, grow as, as, as big as, as possible. And um, we're obviously not there yet, but uh, the way that we're building things, um, yeah, is just different. We, we've talked to a lot of people in the industry who have said like, okay, you're not an EPC, but you're not really a dealer. Like, what are you? And we're like, we're Project Solar. Like, we're neither of those things. Like, you got to, this has to be a new category for you. And they're kind of going, okay, well, we don't know what rates to give you. Or we don't know how to treat you as like, you know, uh, what kind of spas we give you if, if, you know, all these different things are happening. And so kind of like forcing the industry to think differently. Um, I remember sitting down with um, Greg Butterfield, and I, I don't know if it's allowed for me to, to, to say his name, but. Uh, sure. No, you can talk about anyone on here. Greg, Greg Butterfield, Greg, Greg Butterfield, former CEO at Vivint Solar and current CEO at uh, Lumio. Yep. Right. And we, I, I love Greg. Respect Greg. He's, he's a good man. And when, when we had sat down, we were, we were meeting with his team and they were talking about, you know, we're trying to move from a sit down sale with a rep to a stand up sale. 
And in our heads, I was like, a stand-up? No, you, you, uh, we're trying to move from a sit-down sale to an e-commerce sale, no touch from a human being. You get online and you check out. And so trying to like really push the boundaries again, and that would be one example of we're just, in our minds, we're like, why is this not happening? Like, th- it seems so clear to us that this is possible, but then we were sitting with all these, you know, solar guys and gals that were saying, no, this is the next step. And, and we're going, no, you got to break those, those bounds and, and forget that. And let's, let's work on like where we should be currently. So stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, no, I totally get it. So, um, a question, and obviously this is something that you've had to deal with, um, as you're sort of like setting an expectation for your e-commerce customers that are going online and signing up for solar. And then you're managing a very disparate network of installers across the country how have you found or what sorts of controls have you been able to put in place to ensure customers can have a good experience? So they're going to have the same website experience, but then once they've checked out, as you're very well, awa- uh, very well aware, the, the differences and nuances uh, uh, from installing solar in Florida to Washington to Massachusetts to Illinois and so on and so on are pretty, pretty, can be, are pretty significant. So how, how have you been able to control the overall customer experience? So at the beginning of this, Dave, you asked what I'm passionate about, and I'm, I'm realizing I'm probably passionate about what I feel like I'm, I'm weakest at. That's probably where English came from. And right now, uh, I, I answered customer experience, and it's because right now customer experience is the main focus because that's been the biggest struggle. Um, you know, we have mapped out what the customer experience should be, but then in reality, what it is is just you know way different. And so it kills us when when customers don't have a good experience and maybe we get a one-star review or whatever. And of course, we're trying to clean those things up. But, um, you know, ultimately it just, it comes from, you know, putting fences at the the top of the mountain instead of ambulances at the bottom, uh, you know, or whatever, at the top of the cliff instead of ambulances at the bottom. And uh, just like really vetting installers well so that you don't have installers who are going out and, you know, installing a, a job completely wrong and then having customers just livid and, you know, those those um, projects that dr- drag on forever. And unfortunately, we've had to learn those types of things the, the hard way. Um, and, th- and that's cost us a pretty penny because we certainly go back and, and make sure that that customer is installed correctly and, you know, fire that installer or whatever it may be. But, you know, it's been just slowly putting in the right uh, processes so that customers have the right experience. And I mean, we have mapped out our processes with probably, you know, a thousand different actions that, that need to happen that are being assigned to different teams and things like that. So that customers are getting, you know, the, the right amount of communication in the right timing that things are actually happening on time, which again, we're still working on all those things. And, and like I said, we're not necessarily ready to scale like crazy, but we're trying to put those things in place so that we can. Yeah. Have you tried to become, I know you're a national player at some level, but have you tried to be a little bit more ge- geographical to uh, control some of those, uh, well, to control some of the variables in regards to customer experience and the number of installers you have to work with? Yeah. Great question. Uh, yeah. We certainly, we started out because, you know, we, knew we were going to get attention and we, you know, had some Forbes article posted about us and, you know, other PR publications and things like that. And so we were going, we have to have this national presence so we can service all these different customers, but quickly realized that's the wrong approach. Like it's going to be a bad experience for us and for them. And so, I mean, I think we're installing in 26 states right now and we have, 
you know, shrunk that down to say, hey, let's really focus on the, the main six states that we're in, build a really strong network there um, in terms of, of installers and customers uh, that we're getting referrals from and things like that. And then, um, you know, once we feel like we've really dialed it in, open up. Um, and so, our, our, I mean, our, our strongest hubs are really, um, you know, California, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Texas, and Florida. Yeah. So Trevor had, your business partner had fairly boldly made the claim that you could generate customers for $1,000 or less. Have you found that that bears itself out? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that, uh, he, he actually is. Uh, we're, we're, we're about there. So he was, he was uh, pretty spot on. Um, it's, it's funny. And I mean, you, you called that bold. I, I've, I've realized since then that Tesla is getting customers for $0. I'm like, Tesla's not even marketing. And so if we truly are to become a household brand, I'm like, I think the goal would be zero acquisition. It's just people saying, you know, Dave Anderson going, I, I want solar, go to projectsolar.com and, and check out because you're aware of that. There's three people on your street who have already gotten solar from us. And so that's where we would like to get, but that's certainly, you know, five years down the road or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think your success at some levels poses a risk to uh, other means and mechanisms for selling, certainly not in the short run because there's so much solar to be sold, but in the long run, potentially, what do you think your business risks are uh, as you sort of like think about your business with project solar? Hmm. Well, first speaking, if, if I can first speak to, to your comment, actually, I mean, just who Trevor and I like are at, at our core like we just want progression in the industry. I mean, honestly, even if it's not Project Solar, of course we want to be at the forefront and doing things, but I would love to see, you know, other companies adapting at the same time. And I think we're seeing that, but where you're saying, hey, you know, maybe other mechanisms are going away. We would love for people to think creatively and iterate and, you know, do things better than us. And then we're, we're partnering with you and saying, hey, sweet, you swim in your lane, we'll swim in ours. And let's like really build this industry together. We're not trying to dominate and be the only player and crush everybody. It's more like, hey, let's force people who maybe, uh, you know, think we can just do this, this dinosaur age old thing forever, which right now we would call door knocking, like kind of, kind of push the boundaries there so that they can also evolve. And again, if they come up with something better than us, that's great because we just, we think it's time to be able to become more efficient so that we can offer solar for lower, open up the, the, the market for who, you know, how many Americans can be ROI positive for solar and then like continue to expand from there. Yeah. So solar, I'll come back to my other question, but solar's kind of stuck in an interesting place, right? It's somewhere in between construction and like residential home services, you know, and for the people that are selling it from an e-commerce perspective, I'm sure you're trying to liken it more to like a residential home service, comparing it to the utility company or cable or internet or a bunch of other home services that a, that a homeowner might have. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that still liken it to, in terms of from a pain point and from an execution perspective, construction. And the truth is, is that they're both right, depending on, uh, on where you're working to solve the problem, um, interestingly. But one of the things that is absolutely true is, is that these residential home services generally require a very, very broad spectrum of marketing approaches and sales approaches. And again, since we're sitting at 3% market penetration, there's going to be a vibrant and strong new home builder 
um, opportunity for solar. There's going to be a vibrant and strong e-commerce opportunity that's frankly only just now budding. It really doesn't exist that much. Uh, there's going to be plenty of space for telemarketing, plenty of space for door-to-door, plenty of space for partnership. And and uh, and I think that Complete Solar, we we believe that at our core. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to do is help facilitate all those things. And uh, so for us to see your success is exciting for us because whenever you see the industry advancing and progressing, um, in any one of those sectors, it's usually pr- progressing in all of the other sectors as well. And so for us, we've never been threatened by others coming in and, and finding success. We genuine, genuinely believe, first of all, in the cause of trying to uh, electrify America through solar, through a renewable energy source. But secondarily, we believe in a more responsible, cleaner, more refined, more elegant, less caveman, in your words, less dinosaur way to, to do this. And, and so um, that's why I was really thrilled uh, to get you on the podcast to talk about this because I think that I think you're the first company to sort of make you know Tesla probably first but but you guys secondarily to make a splash is with a, a true e-commerce play at solar and and reaching out to customers in a different way so which leads me to my second question which is what what do you think Project Solar's business risks are with your current approach yeah um uh, probably honestly, and I, I don't mean this in like a boastful way or anything, but our biggest risk is probably growing too fast. Um, we've, we've turned off ads several times and just said, Hey, you, we cannot install this many customers. Like we, we need to back off and we need to be disciplined. Um, if our appetite gets too big, uh, then, you know, that that's definitely going to cause problems while we're going through these maturing stages. And I mean, Trevor and I have been at arms where, you know, he's like, I, I want to turn up ads and I want to, and I'm going, but, but I, there's no way we can install this many people. Like our, our pipeline is already this full. We're not delivering the customer experience that we want. So kind of that back and forth. And, um, you know, then, then there's been where those roles have been flipped and, you know, Trez pushed or something and I'm not or whatever it may be, but that could definitely uh, hurt us. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that's our, that's probably our, our biggest risk. Um, it's nice, honestly, with the series a that we're now in a position where we can turn to debt. Whereas before it was like, your company's been around for how long and you want how much money? Like there's no way we're giving that to you. And, And that, that was very difficult time to get through. You know, we were funding things with our own money and that type of stuff to kind of just get project solar's legs underneath it. But now that we've, we've kind of raised a, a series a, it is a little bit like, okay, you know, we can get debt. It's really go time and we can be a little less uh, reserved in the way that we're growing. We, we still definitely have to be smart about it. And we're very aware of, you know, uh, I think it's Pink Energy or I can't remember the exact name of the company, but but Pink that, that, that just went under. And, you know, that could definitely happen to anybody in the industry if they're foolish about the way that they are uh spending money and whatever it may be. And so we actually, I mean, we didn't pay ourselves for the first, I don't know how long it was, whatever, almost like year. And then we were paying ourselves just this, this minimum salary and still don't feel very comfortable paying ourselves. Like we, we want to really make sure that we are, you know, taking care of our, our, our customers and employees and just things are banging on all eight cylinders before we, you know, get comfortable at all, which I mean, we're probably 
two years out from then, uh, so to speak. Um, and because of that mentality too, Dave, I'll say, I'm very comfortable that Project Solar, you know, saying that Project Solar will succeed. But if we were, if we didn't have that mentality, then I would certainly be scared of, of Project Solar uh, not succeeding. So right now with our, our current trajectory and, and where we're at, like, I mean, we're, we've, we're on fire. We, we love it. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. Have you uh, been surprised? Was it a surprise to you how capitally intensive the business can be when you're growing uh, quickly, especially across multiple markets? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that has been uh, jarring for us, especially in the, the beginning. I mean, we, um, we weren't working with any of the lenders uh, in the beginning. And so we were actually getting paid out at PTO. It was like 76% at PTO. And that was causing huge issues. You know, even when you're trying to install 30 jobs in a month or 50 jobs in a month, it was like, oh, whoa, we, we have to have whatever, 500 grand on hand now. Like we don't have that. And, and we, we, you know, we, we can't have that working capital. So we were essentially raising to be able to get working capital, which is extremely expensive. And then finally, like I said, when we, when we passed this, this uh, mark, we were able to go to debt. Mm-hmm. But yeah, extremely expensive. Yeah, yeah I think uh, people are... Uh, surprised to find out how capitally intensive solar industry can be. And and part of that is, and this is a shame on the industry, uh, it's how long it takes to get from initial customer, yes, I want solar on my roof, to the point where you're actually interconnected and all the funding has happened and, and some of the complicated funding structures that exist with the different financing processes that are out there. And uh, you know, part of that's because of the way that the regulations are. Part of that is, is just... Uh, you know, inefficiencies with our own businesses in terms of how quickly we can install. Part of that is the bureaucracies that we have to deal with at the local AHJ authority having jurisdiction level. And all of these things sort of compound on themselves. And, 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 then, and then when you, you become a victim of your own success, so you sell more and it becomes increasingly uh, capital intensive, which, which tends to slow out your installs, which tends to delay your payments, which tends to force you to have uh, need to have more money on hand. So anyway, I'm getting into a, a fairly nuanced problem, but those that have spent any time working on trying to fulfill in the solar space, it's a very familiar problem. Uh, anyone that's ever tried to install solar, um, whether it's, you know, all of the different sort of, um, you know, EPCs or otherwise that you've, that you've mentioned have, have experienced and felt that pain. So uh, complete solar certainly has never been exempt from it. Um, so we, we, we appreciate and empathize with you. So Awesome. Well, what are the things that are you're most excited about as it relates to both Project Solar, but then just solar generally? Um, yeah, for Project Solar, I mean, I'm like giddy about all of the releases that, that we're starting to come out with from, I mean, as simple as it is, like a, a customer portal that is tracking and keeping everybody up to date and making sure that you know, the, the, the customer knows exactly where they're at, which is nothing novel, right? I mean, other companies have come out with that, but Project Solar's own version, right? And then inside this uh, tech piece that, that, that we're going to be launching here uh, next year, um, which I probably can't speak too much about, but, but essentially different features like that that are just going to make things seamless and, and a lot better for particularly the customers, but honestly, also the installers um, who... I'm super grateful to who, who have said like, Hey, we see the vision and, and we're willing to install with you because we think, you know, you guys are the future of solar in terms of like th- this business model, the way things are being done. And so they'll work uh, with us through the hard times. But uh, yeah, those, that, that tech piece and uh, 
yeah, just th- those improvements are definitely things on the horizon that, that are exciting for us. Um, in the solar industry in general, the, the first thing that, that comes to my mind is, is you know, California's initiatives to push forward faster permitting. Um, Project Solar right now has, you know, like I've said, more sales than we can handle and tons of installers who, who are, are great installers. But man, the ability to to get through permitting in different HJs in a, like a, in, in a fast manner is extremely difficult when you have this scattershot approach. And so the the government developing this solar app and, you know, using players in the industry, which we're super grateful to um, for, for helping develop this. And then California saying, hey, this needs to be in play. You know, I think it's by September next year for cities of certain sizes. And then the following year, that is going to be huge for the whole solar industry. And in conjunction with that, we would hope that, okay, California is setting a bar here and other states are going to follow suit. And then I think, you know, to me, that's where we become more like Australia, where, you know, solar is more of a seamless process that's happening. It's becoming more of a commodity. And, you know, we're able to to see more um, uh, more customers that are 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 coming to the solar companies for solar versus the solar companies going out to the customers for solar. And so in terms of the the horizon of solar and, you know, the, the boldness of. (laughs) <laughs> where we're going as an industry. I mean, I just, I think in the next 10 years that like we, we will start to see just solar, you know, e- everywhere on, on, on people's homes and, you know, hopefully break through that, that 30% penetration again, that we've, we've seen with Australia and even up to 40, 50%. Um, I, I will say, of course, we're very aware of what's happening in terms of, um, the utility level projects and uh, innovations that are coming out and you know people who are essentially saying we don't have to have solar on every home and i think that that's that's great too and and um hopefully we will progress in those areas as well but i think it will always be like a mix of of both i don't think it, you'll ever to you know be able to just have have one yeah absolutely well matt um i've been watching your company from afar even though we're not that far apart and uh, certainly your ads have shown up in, in my social media feeds. And, and uh, um, I've also, um, you know, followed the news with some of the press with your fundraising and other things. So, again, I think that these things are only good for our industry. So it's been absolutely fascinating for me to be able to visit with you for a little bit on the podcast today. Um, I love to get the perspective of other, not just entrepreneurs, but people that are finding success, certainly in the solar space, but just in, in life in general. So it's been fascinating to have you on the on the uh, the podcast, I hope that you find the success that you need to with Project Solar, such that you can actually find yourself back in the classroom uh, in the not too far off future. So, but thanks a ton for coming on, Matt. It's been a pleasure to visit with you. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on.